In a world where it seems like there's so much going wrong, I want you to see the people who are spending their lives doing and seeing the good. Welcome to the Doing Good Podcast, where we discuss the stories of people who are changing the world in their own way. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. And I am thrilled to have Shenley Pewterbop on my podcast today. Shenley is the founder of Inspire Family History, which is a website dedicated to sharing ideas, tools, and resources for helping people learn to love family history. Shenley has a passion for getting people excited about family history and educating people about the benefits that studies have demonstrated on engaging children in family history activities. She loves coming up with specific ideas for individuals or groups as well. She's a wife, and homeschooling mother, bless your heart, of three, almost four now. And well, four kids, but not quite homeschooling your almost one-year-old yet. She is presented for organizations such as My Heritage, Your DNA Guide, and Roots Tech, as well as teaching classes and giving presentations to local groups. She was on the BYU-Hawaii women's tennis team when they won the Division II National Championships in 2007, which is awesome. She has a gourmet cookie. She had a gourmet cooking business from age nine to 18. And I think this is so cool. Was hired to make cookie baskets for performers such as Aerosmith, James Taylor, and Justin Timberlake. The mountains are her happy place. She loves hiking, camping, skiing, playing with her kids and streams, and pretty much anything in nature. Shenley, what an incredible eclectic bio you have. <laughs> Welcome to Doing Good. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I first have to ask about the most important thing, which is Justin Timberlake (laughs) making cookies. So tell me about this business you had when you were this young girl making cookies for famous people. Yeah, well, my mom wanted to teach my sister and I, she's two years younger than me, when I was nine and she was seven, how to, I guess, manage our money or start a business or whatever one summer. And it was just going to be for the summer. And then everybody wanted it to keep going. So we we just made cookies for people that we knew. And then somehow we connected with the person at the Civic Arena locally. And they asked us to make baskets for the performers. And I was very excited at the time about Justin Timberlake, especially because I was an NSYNC fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so that was a big deal. But it was it was just fun to be able to do that. That is so cool. Yeah. Did you, were they like sugar cookies? Like, did you write their names on them or were they like chocolate chip cookies? They're oatmeal chocolate chip cookies. And my kids sell them now. So that's kind of fun too. (laughs) So they started the business a little bit just within the last two years. That is so cool. Is it like a famous recipe that you have? Do you have like, who came up with this amazing recipe? It was one that my grandma had, then my mom tweaked it a little bit and then we tweaked it a little bit. And so it's just been passed down. Okay, I have to ask. I will ask for the secret recipe, but what flour do you use? Do you have a specific kind? We use all purpose and it's, we get it from Costco and those big bags. Okay, so nothing so like Lehigh Roller Mills. We've used Lehigh Roller Mills. I'm trying to remember the bag. King Flour, maybe. Okay, King Arthur. Oh, King Arthur. Yes. Thank you. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and the reason why I'm asking, I'm like, a, I'm kind of a chocolate chip cookie snob. The only chocolate chip recipe I use is from Cy Foster. It's a bountiful kitchen, tried and true. And it has worked for me for years. 
But recently with like the weird supply chain issues, there's like different brown sugar at Costco and there's different chocolate chips at Costco. And I got some different flour and it is not, they're still amazing, but it's not the same. And I'm like, what is it? Like I, (laughs) is it the flat? Like, what are they changing now about it? Like what ingredient? They're almost like the flour is too airy. Anyway, this is interesting for like bakers. But it's like it's there's too many air pockets in my cookies now. And so they they kind of go flat or they're too cakey. It's just anyway, I'm like, well, I'll have to make you cookies sometimes. Maybe. Oh, my gosh. I would love that. I need to get back into that. Okay, so (laughs) cookies. So fun. You are amazing for homeschooling your kids. I just did that during COVID. And I was (laughs) like, that is my one and only time I will ever do that. But I think when it works out, it is wonderful. And I can totally see the benefits of doing that. So I think I have some good friends at homeschool and I just think you are rock stars for doing that. I also have four boys and their focus level is so different, I'm sure, than three girls and a boy. And so I'm like, wow, it's like every five minutes was recess time. Like, okay, go do 10 push-ups, okay, go outside and take a lap, because we just could not. Got to get their energy out. I know, <laughs> yes. So I think teachers are amazing and homeschooling mamas are amazing. So, but I would love to talk about your passion for family history today. I would love to hear about how you got into just promoting family history work and why that is so important to you. And just was this something that you've always loved your whole life or something that you just started getting into as an adult? And and why that of all things after, you know, all these amazing things that you've done, what got you interested in promoting yeah, family history? Good question. When I was younger, my mom would tell me stories about her life growing up. And those are my favorite stories she'd tell. She'd say, what do you want a story about? And I'd say, when you were little, you know, I just loved hearing stories about her. Yeah. And then eventually I had various assignments to do family trees in school. And I thought that was really cool. And then um, when I was in high school, I was planning on going to Europe when I graduated with a friend and it fell through. And now I think back and I'm like, that was probably a good thing that that didn't happen. Wow. (laughs) Being so young and going by ourselves. But sure, I had, I was talking to a different friend and she we were talking about family history and I just got this really strong impression that I needed to go visit my grandparents. Both of my parents are converts to the church. And so a lot of family history had not been done on our family. And I decided to go spend a week with my dad's family or dad's parents and a week with my mom's parents and just learn about them and get as much information as I could. I interviewed I interviewed them and recorded it. I went through old boxes with them and they showed me pictures and documents and tons of things that were just in their attic sitting up there. Nobody had ever really been interested in. And I just loved it. And my grandpa was like, why are you interested in this at 18 years old? And I was like, this is just the coolest thing ever. So... I ended up coming back from that trip with around a thousand names, a thousand oh, names of ancestors. Crazy. Yeah, to add to my family tree. And it just was so exciting. It was incredible. A they had family names. trees rolled up that they didn't even know were in their attic. And yeah. I just got to take them and put them on family search and create my family tree. That. Oh. Incredible. So was this your mom's parents? Did you say or your dad's parents? Both. Both Both. sides. Yeah. So I did a week in New Jersey and then a week in Vermont. And I really got to know them too. 
Awesome. I, it was amazing because I spent time with them one-on-one, which I hadn't done before. Before that, whenever we'd go visit grandparents or they'd come visit us, there were a lot of people around. It was just right. the whole family. And when I got to spend that time with them one-on-one, it was so different. And I really got to know them and see their quirks and love them and just have experiences with them that were different from before. And I learned about them, but I also learned about my parents because I saw things that they did that my parents do. And I was like, ah, that's where that came from. And then I in turn learned about myself. Like I was able to learn where I come from and more in more, there was more depth to our relationship. I was going to ask you that about something. What is something that you did learn about yourself or that you discovered a, a talent or, or a characteristic or something that you're like, oh, that came from them specifically? I think the biggest thing was nature. My grandpa, my mom's father is just always out in nature. And I've known that that's my happy place. And yeah. it, it's not the case for everyone in my family. Yeah. And I just realized how much that probably came from him. And the times that I was younger that I did spend with him were in nature. We'd go in the woods raspberry picking, like we'd walk a mile deep in the woods and find these raspberry bushes that he'd go to all the time. And just doing that really instilled in me a love of nature and being in the woods. So that was a neat experience. That is so sweet and probably a very tender experience for both sets of grandparents as well to be able to share their stories. My sweet grandma, she's 88 years old, my mom's mom, and she mentioned something to my mom a while ago where we were at a family party and she came over here and my one of my boys, his name's Briggs, he's almost 10 and is just my awesome wild child like he's just a firecracker ball of energy and you know sometimes can can be a little much but i adore him so much but you know some people can get overwhelmed with so much energy and she was sitting on the couch and he ran up to her and just as i was about to be like oh be gentle with grandma you know like be careful she's older he he's all grandma do you want to throw a baseball and i was like no grandma can't throw a baseball <laughs> and she's like yes and my son and his great grandma, my grandma threw a baseball for like 20 minutes. And I am not kidding you. She was, she sat on the couch and she was amazing. She was right on. She has such a strong arm. And they like, and he would just ask her questions. Hey, grandma, what do you think about this? Hey, grandma, what do you think about that? And talk to her for like a half an hour. And she told my mom after that makes me emotional. She said, sometimes I go to family dinners and I feel invisible because it's hard for her to, you know, get around and, and walk. And so she usually will just come and then sit on the couch. And whoever comes up to her and talks to her is whoever she, that's all she interacts with. She doesn't move from room to room. She's kind of stays in her place. And she said, Briggs never makes me feel invisible. He notices Aww. me and talks to me. And I thought it is, it meant so much to her to be able to talk to him. It was the smallest thing, but it probably, it just reminded me of the story that you told about going to visit your grandparents that probably made them feel seen and like their lives 
matter. And I read something a while ago that was kind of startling and unsettling is that it, it only takes three generations to be forgotten if your stories are not passed down and shared. And that made me think, oh my goodness, like once we pass on and die, like who is there to tell our stories? And wow, like what a comfort for your grandparents to be like, you, Shenley cares about us and will, and, and will pass down our legacy and our stories so that we won't be forgotten. What a sweet blessing you gave them to do that. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's been beneficial for them for sure. I mean, that, that is definitely a concern. There's a lot of concerns around death for older people. And when they do have their story recorded, it makes that more peaceful, I think, just knowing that they won't be forgotten and that we will remember them and we will pass their story on. So besides just being a, a wonderful and kind and loving thing to do, there have actually been studies that talk about the benefits of sharing our family stories and passing these down to our children. Can you share a little bit about what those are? Yes, yes, definitely. So I, I actually printed it out so I wouldn't forget any. Oh, There's awesome. tons of benefits from doing family history that our families and our children can experience, that we can experience as we're doing family history. Let me know if you want me to explain the studies more, but the, the sure. benefits are self-confidence, resilience, higher self-esteem, strong sense of intergenerational self, a wow. sense of place, a sense of security, self-competence, lower levels of behavioral problems, better prepared for future challenges, a strong sense of control, more successful family function, greater ability to moderate effects of stress, and more di differentiated sense of self. I just think those are so powerful. Like those are really big benefits that I want for myself, but I really want them for my children. Yes. Though, I, and those are, I mean, those are really big things like self-identity and self-worth and confidence. Like those are huge for our kids to be able to have. I mean, what more could you want than a child that knows who they are and is self-confident and happy? So what would you say to parents that are like, okay, that's all great, but what if we have a family history that is maybe a little more salty than sweet? What if we have some, you know, aunt and uncles or grandma and grandpas that have maybe done some pretty bad things or there are things that they maybe don't want their kids to know about? Is it still beneficial to learn about their lives and their mistakes as well as, as, as well as their, you know, successes and things that made them wonderful? Definitely. There are definitely positives to learning the negative parts of our family stories because it's truth. Anything that's truth is important to share. Oh, when we, when you, when, when we sugarcoat things and then our kids are going through hard things, they don't see that they've had ancestors who have gone through difficult things or have done stupid things, you know, and they've come out of it or maybe a generation or two later has learned from it or, you know, it, there's, there's a study that actually showed this benefit and it said that there's, there's stories that are just positive and then there's stories that are just negative. But when you have 
It's called an oscillating family narrative. When you have the ups and the downs and you show that we've been through hard things and we've made it or we've learned from it, then that is way more powerful and really can strengthen us. And obviously, there's certain content that is appropriate for very different ages. Sure. And, but if, if we're aware of that and sharing things at appropriate ages, then it can give us strength. We've learned, my husband and I both learned difficult stories in our families and it does take processing. Um, especially the closer that it is to mm-hmm. us, right? right? It does take processing, but there's hard things are good. Hard things can strengthen us, can help us turn to God, and we can process things with God. And also, if we need extra help, we can get extra help, right? But it's important to learn and share those with our families, with our children at the right time so that they can experience those benefits. I'm so glad that you shared that and that we don't need to be afraid of our family history, good or bad. And and I, I completely agree with that, that it's like that hope that we're all looking for, that even if things were bad or really hard, that, okay, but look how they overcome came or look how their children overcame living with them, you know, or look how we're overcoming and breaking these cycles of unhealthy behavior. Like there's always that hope of, you know, we can overcome and look how strong we are or look how strong they were despite really difficult decisions or circumstances that they made or were in. I had a friend in my ward and she is loves family history work and is just a rock star being involved in it. And she said that she was really prompted to do some work on this one grandfather that was kind of ostracized from the family. She's like, he has had a bad name for as long as I can remember and was was talked about in the worst ways possible. And, you know, how could he have done this and that? And she's like, nobody wanted to talk about him. And I felt really prompted to truly understand him and get to know him and his story And she said she ended up finding things out that were false and and was able through a lot of digging and hard work to sort of clear his name. And she felt like, and in a way, like free him like from from this bad name. And she said, you know, there were still mistakes and things that happened and and didn't go into details exactly about what they were. And she said, but she was then able to go to her family and say, guess what I learned about grandpa, all these things that that we thought from this one mistake were actually not accurate. And here's how I know. And here's the research I did. And and she said she had a very pretty powerful experience one night of him just saying, thank you. Thank you wow. for telling my story and for for clearing my name. And And it was almost like releasing that burden from him as well. And so I'm so glad that you shared that, that we don't need to be afraid of of the good or bad because really both can strengthen us and strengthen our children learning about both. And like you said, there's a lot of understanding that can come from it. Like sure. we, we, it may be like your grandpa or was it your grandpa? My Sorry, friend's, no, grandpa. Your friend's grandpa, right? Yeah. Sorry. It may be like them where it's somebody that's had a bad, a lot of negative about them, but it also could just be 
things that are frustrating that might be passed down <laughs> for sure. generations. And, and when you understand, it's like, oh, that's why. You yes. Know, when, you, when you see the, what may have caused those things, then it can make more sense and we cannot be, we can be more at peace or forgive or do what we need to do to understand better. Absolutely. And my, I, one of my ancestors on my mom's side was a sheep farmer up in Manaway. And he, they had a, a, a tragic experience happen. I want to get, I want to make sure I'm telling the right story with the right name because it was so powerful. So I'm actually going to go into my family tree right now. Isn't that amazing that we can do that and pull it up? Yes. So he, he was a sheep farmer and ha- owned tons and tons of land up, up in Manaway. And we are now like so lucky and privileged that we get to inherit this land and that my, my grandma and my mom, we've like camped on it and, and gone up there. And we went up with the boys during the summer and pitched a tent up there. And I'm like, isn't it so cool that we get to, we get to be on the same land that he probably walked? you know, years ago. And, and, and because of his hard work, we get to, we get to enjoy this. But he, one of his sons was tragically killed with an accidental shooting in their barn that one of the cousins, yeah. they don't know what happened, but one of them accidentally, they found a gun, you know, and, and, and shot him. And I remember my mom talking about like, you know, her, her dad and, and them like them being kind of more strict or her grandpa being more strict and things. And it's just interesting that it said in one of the memories after that happened that he, he was never the same. And, and instead of being like, well, why is he such a grumpy man? Now in learning his story, you can understand, can you imagine that tragedy? Can you imagine overcoming that? And that would shape you absolutely and, and change you and 100%. help you have more compassion for them and an understanding for them instead of just thinking, oh yeah, they were kind of grumpy. It's like, oh, well, they went through very, very hard, difficult things definitely in their life. Okay. So I would love to hear about, and I'm looking at family history and as I'm saying that, I'm like, oh, I can't remember which one it is. So I'm going to find the name right now as you're telling your story because I want to say his name. I think it's important to point that out. But I would love to hear of a story of where you learned something about either your grandma or grandpa when you went out to visit them in Vermont or Maine or an ancestor in doing their work where that t- t- touched your life or maybe changed your life. Just a really cool experience you had learning about a story of one of your ancestors. Okay. So when I was visiting my grandma, I was able to record her story. And she, sorry, I shouldn't laugh at the beginning. I'll laugh at the end. I'll explain. (laughs) She grew up, she was four years old going into World War II. And she lived in London and she was evacuated with the children I don't know if you've seen the beginning of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe when yes. they were sent away. Yes. That's what my grandma experienced. She was sent away to live with strangers because her father was in the war. Her mother was pregnant, so she went to a place where pregnant women went, and her brother stayed with whoever. I don't know. I don't even know who. I think it was a family member of some sort, but her and her sister, who was six, went and lived with complete strangers for a few years during oh the war, goodness. and it was really 
hard on my grandma. She tried to run away. She didn't. She didn't make it. But her, there was, because her mom was pregnant, her dad came back from the war for a short period of time when the baby was born. And he went and got my grandma and her sister and they got on a train to go to where their mother was and to meet the baby. Oh my goodness. While they're going on the train, the train is bombed. They planes were dropping bombs on this train. And my great grandfather shoved my grandma and her sister under the seats. And they were okay. They were all okay, but the luckily, but the train was destroyed and they couldn't keep going. And so they had to get out of the bombed train and walk. How, who knows? I don't even know how long. I don't think my grandma knows how far, but I can just imagine how far they had to walk to get to this place that had been turned into a hospital. And so they start walking. And I can only imagine my grandma and her sister being so scared and shaken up. And what my grandpa did was decided to sing silly songs and skip along. And so they started skipping and singing their silly songs. And my great grandpa's known for British pub songs that are really silly and don't make a lot of sense, but are really fun to sing. And so that's what they did as they were walking along until they got to the hospital. Oh my goodness. The the fact that my grandpa, my great grandpa was able to take this situation for his two little girls and make it better for them, you know, and not focus on the terrifying experience they had just experienced. Obviously, later on, they probably had to process at some point. Right. For this moment to lighten the moment was really amazing and powerful to me. And it helped me later on when COVID started and things were so uncertain. And I was like, what books should my kids and I read together? And I was thinking of Number the Stars or all these books. And I'm like, those are just too heavy. We need something light. And I thought about my great grandpa and I thought about how he was able to make that experience light. And we decided to read Mary Poppins, which is very light and fun. And it was helped my children and I to make things lighter during a stressful time when there was so much uncertainty. And when I was actually visiting her at that time when she was sharing this with me, there was this time when she had made this cake for my grandpa and I, and we're sitting at the table and she's bringing this cake and walking along and she drops the cake. Oh oh no. And it just splats on the floor and she just starts laughing. It's been a moment where she was so frustrated because she had spent all this time on this cake, but she started laughing so hard that she cried. And I just loved it so much to actually see how that trait has continued in her. And she still makes difficult moments, even dropping a cake. Yeah. Just lighter and laughs about it and is able to. And we all laughed about it and we ate from the top of this destroyed cake, you know, and it was just fun. And I'll never forget that. Oh, my goodness. Both of those stories. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine 
first of all, I mean, living during World War II, but being forced from a train that was just bombed and walking with my children miles and miles. And what a sweet story that was of your grandpa. Like, I'm just going to be silly and, and, and help the children not be so scared. Like, this is fun. We're hiking you know, in the wherever they were, do you know what country they were in? It was when that in England, in England. England, it was outside of London. So yeah. just being like, okay, we're just we're gonna walk to the closest place. How and I imagine it was, I mean, probably miles, probably really far. Yeah. Yeah. And and then your sweet grandma with the cake and just and as a mom and someone that spends like my husband just had a birthday and like spending hours like making a cake instead of like. Are you getting like you be so mad, but just laughing like yeah. whatever. Like, what are you gonna do? What a sweet like example to her children, grandchildren, and imagine your feelings toward her if she would have been so mad or like stomped out of the room <laughs> or cried, which she would have had every right to do. But yeah, how that ended up being like this, like this teaching experience and this mm-hmm. positive learning moment for you. I love those stories. So I, I found the name of my ancestor and it's Abiathar Richard Sidney Smith. And the son that he had that passed away from the gun wound was Richard. And anyway, it's, it, it's, it, it's so, it is so tragic, but, but because, you know, of, of his, what he did and his resilience and legacy and and his son like that's my my grandpa Michael Smith came from him and then my sweet mom and and myself and I don't know I I'm so grateful for these ancestors that that have gone through such really difficult things but have also the ones that are strong in the church and my I pioneer ancestors and then the ones that I have been privileged to do the work for in the temples and and bind them to us and and I'd love to hear a story of maybe an ancestor with the thousand that you found that maybe you feel a special bond with because you've been able to do temple work for them? Well, that's a good question. Um, well, I'll, I'll just share what my daughter and I have been experiencing lately. She just turned 11, or no, sorry, she's about to turn 12. She just got into Young Women's and we took her to the temple for the first time in January. And I'll just share a little bit about that. I'd love that. So we have started finding names and, or yeah, finding names of ancestors to take. And we've been trying to make it more meaningful by two different things. So we have, before we go to the temple, I've encouraged them to, my, her and my son, to look up some of the people who they're going to take and learn a little bit about them, even if it's just one thing, just so that when they're doing their temple work, they're actually feeling a connection with this person. Yes. Not seeing it as a name. Reading a name, yes. But seeing it as a person that is one of their relatives or ancestors. And the other thing is that we've we've talked about, I kind of had this epiphany recently about the idea of temple names, right? We take our ancestors' names to the temple, but we're, we're taking, how do I say this? So often we say temple names or how can you find names to take to the temple? But it's so much deeper than that. We're actually yeah. taking, doing our ancestors' work and making covenants with that for them in their name, but we're, taking our ancestors' names to the temple. 
we are going to do work for our ancestors at the temple. Yes. And so just change, just adjusting that wording, I feel in our family, we've kind of done that a little bit lately. And obviously that's not like doctrine or that's not coming from the leaders of the church, but that's just something I had thought recently about is instead of saying, do you have your temple names or can you find names to take to the temple? It's like, let's find ancestors that we can go do work for and go make covenants for. And it just brings on a whole new meaning when we're going to the temple. It connects it more to us. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I completely agree that when you look at that, them as a person and not just a name on the paper. It, it, yeah, it changes your experience that you have. Absolutely. I, we were recently challenged as a ward to take one name through the entire process, like from baptism through sealing. And so pick one ancestor and find who they are, learn as much as you can. And some are hard. Some is like they were born in Denmark. Like that's, yeah. I have no memory. I have nothing else to go off of, but right. besides they were born in Denmark, but still you can, you know, maybe something even about their posterity, like well, what was their grandchild like? And so you yeah. can, let's maybe read some things about where they grew up or something about them. And then being able to take that name to the temple, knowing something about them and as a person and Oh yeah, he was the sheep farmer. She loved to sing and she played music in the town hall on Friday nights and thinking about them specifically changes everything. Definitely. We, my husband and I did some sealings a few weeks ago and our temple sealer who happened to be my husband's mission president. Wow. And is incredible. <laughs> I know the temple sealer now and we were able to get at the exact time and, and session that, and or time and appointment that he was working that night. And it was a really special experience because he hasn't seen him in like 20 years. And we went to the temple and he said, shared something with us that is so incredible. He said, on every temple, it says the house of the Lord. And he said, I had a linguistics major come and do a ceiling with me a while ago. And, and in Hebrew, the word house, there are several different translations to that, but one of them can be translated to family. And so if you think about it as the family of the Lord, that we are there wow. to bring the family of the Lord together, our families and and the family of God. And That's that, beautiful. isn't that incredible? And that, that shifted a lot for me too, is that it, it, instead of just, oh, we're bringing a name to do, it's we are gathering the family of God. We it, 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 And we all are a family of thought. Every time I look at the house of the Lord now, Instead of it being a literal structure for him, which we believe, and of course, but it's the family of God too. And I think that was so cool. That is really neat. Well, Shenley, where can people go if they're like, first of all, I don't know how to get started or what do I do if I'm stuck or what what recommendations do you have for like maybe newbies like me or that maybe have generations of family history work that are already done. They're like, I don't even know where to go from here, what else I can do to be better at family history work or get excited about it. (laughs) So the first one, the newbies question, I would recommend just starting from the beginning, just writing down your tree. And with Ancestry specifically, I love Family Search and I love Ancestry. And there's so many different websites that you can build a tree on. There's MyHeritage. There's lots of them. But I love that they are now providing hints 
And like when I go on Ancestry and I have my tree, it's what I have, what I know I put in. And then there's little, this little leaf that pops up on any person, even living, that they have a document that, or a photo, or they might be on somebody else's tree. And you're able to click on that and see if it looks like the same person. And just doing that makes it so simple. Yeah. Because they're doing so much work for you. But then it also helps you to add to your tree. Yes. Because there might be a document. Oh, this person was on this document and there's the siblings or there's the parents on the census or whatever. And so it's just, it's so, it can be so simple. For people who have done a lot or whose family has done a lot and they feel like there's nothing else they can do, the best thing that you can do, I feel like, is learn the stories of these people and even write the stories of these people. And it could just be like a paragraph or you could write a whole story depending on what you want. But one of the ideas I share on my website, Inspire Family History, is it's called sources to stories. So if a lot of people have already put in sources, attached sources to these individuals, you can go and you can look at all the sources and there's so much information you can get from these sources and piece together information from their life. Like the censuses can say what jobs they had or whether they could read or whether they could write or if they lost children. You know, some, some will say like, have how many births have you had? How many living children do you have? You know, and there you can learn. There's so yeah. much to learn from these censuses. And then there's also military records that can describe them. They'll say they had a missing finger. They said they say they were 5'11 or had blue or brown eyes or whatever. And there's obituaries you can find that describe them in so much detail. It obituaries are like gold to me because yes. they just tell about the people in ways that documents don't always. And and that's a good reminder for people who have lost loved ones that to make sure the obituary does them justice is a beautiful, that, that it can be looked, that's what future generations will look at. Like, Definitely. who is this person? And so what are, what are the most important things that you want people to remember about that person when they're writing them to like, to memorialize them in in the best way that they can. And I know it's that's hard when you're grieving and writing and and sometimes it's hard if you're, you know, if it's your husband or wife or a family member, it's like this is really hard and painful to remember, but that future generations will it'll honor them. They will want to really? know them and and really? to remember that. Shenley, you are so your website is called Inspire Family History. Is that right? Yes. And what can people learn about on there? Do you have links to things or like demo videos? What kinds of things are on your website that's available for people learning about family history? Yeah, I give a lot of the purpose of my website is to provide ideas, tools and resources to inspire children of all ages. We're all children to love family history. Awesome. And so that's that's the goal. And I I share that there's... <laughs> There's three keys to finding the right idea to help inspire family history. And those keys are thinking about their age can help you decide what idea would best 
interest them. Yeah. And then there's also interests. So think about what they love to do and connect it to family history. Find an activity that helps with that. And then there's also learning style because people learn differently. Some people like being on the computer. Some people like hands-on. Some people like experiences or writing or, you know, there's just so many different interests. Some people learn from audio, you know, and they can like listen to things or, you know, and finding, using those three keys to find the right experience to help your loved ones be interested in family history or even help yourself (laughs) to have an experience with family history. Because we, we know family history is awesome, but sometimes we don't feel it's awesome until we've experienced it. Right. And so creating an experience for ourselves or for our loved ones can really help us to have a positive experience and want to keep doing it. And so uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's the main, one of the main things on the website. But then I share a bunch of ideas and there's a whole ideas page and categories and you can click on the category and find ideas that, that might be helpful. And then there's also resources. So a bunch of different resources, whether it's that I'll just give a few examples. One example is a book called Turning Little Hearts. It's a book for kids of different activities that they can do. Yes. This, these stickers that have QR codes on them that are really cool. And if you put those on pictures of ancestors, your teens or any family member can walk up to that photo and hear about the photo, either by recording the person in the photo telling the story or someone else telling the story of what happened or the background or about that person in the photo. That's cool. And so I just, I love that one. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah, yes. yeah. And so there's a bunch of resources on the website that can help inspire you or inspire your family or whoever it is, friends, young women's groups. Yes. Anyone to love family history. Oh, those are such great ideas. I love that. And and I just have, I mean, it's just a testimony of family history work and how our ancestors, they, they want their stories told. They want to be known and they want to help us and bless us. They, they yeah. want to be a part of our lives. Yeah. They're not gone. And they they want to be uh, have us think about them and not forget them and and have our hearts turn to them. I just feel so strongly that that's true and and feel like they have ways that they can help us and bless us in ways we can't even comprehend and know. And the more we turn to them and and learn about them and you know do their work for them if needed, then they they are also engaged in us and mm-hmm. and want to help us and be with us and and bless us and yeah. it's a beautiful way to have i think help on this side of the veil and i i i just pray for my kids every single day they're going through so much more than i did growing up and i think man all the help all the family members on both sides of the veil i can get rallying around my kids cheering for them praying for them helping them i will take it all and but really? up to me to to you know gather them and say, Hey, <laughs> I need your help. And I think that they do. And I think that they will, and they are anxious too. So I'm grateful for you for coming on the podcast today, Shenley, and sharing a little bit about your passion for family history work. So thank you so much for talking with us today and for You're all welcome. you are doing. 
You're welcome. I Can I share one more thing? Absolutely. I meant to share this earlier and then I kept talking about something else. But when I was a youth, I was doing family history. And later on, I had a question before general conference one day or one year, I guess it was years ago. And I just had the thought, I was like, why was I able to get through my teen years and be okay and stay strong and stay close to Christ? And it was just a question on my mind that not specifically for a general general conference, but something I'd just been thinking about. And in that general conference, Elder Bednar said, he said that when we're doing family history, we will be protected against the influence of the adversary. And I real, it just hit me so hard because I realized that is what helped me because that's what I was doing. That was the only difference between, yeah, sorry. That was the only thing that I was doing different from the people around me, really. And it really helped me in my life. And I'm just so grateful for the blessings that come from family history. And the Lord wants to bless us. He wants to bless our ancestors. He wants to bless us. And this is a way that he can do that. And it really has so much power for ourselves and for our family. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I believe that 100%. And, and for those listening that are like, oh, but it's maybe time consuming or it, it, it's hard and I don't take the time, make yes. the time and you will find time. And the blessings that come from that, I mean, to be protected and, and, from, I mean, of course, everyone is, is tempted and goes through trials, but to have an extra measure of protection and, and blessings from Heavenly Father for learning about our ancestors, like I will take that all day long for my kids. That is worth any amount of time or sacrifice to, to have them have that extra protection around them. And I just imagine like those legions of angels and my ancestors just encircling them like, nope, you're not going to get him. It makes me emotional to think about. I'm so grateful that you shared that. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I am Carmen Herbert, and I'm so excited to tell you about an amazing app that my whole family loves. It's called Our Turtle House, and it's full of literally thousands of hours of full-length talks, just like the old talk on CDs or talk on tapes, from some of your favorite Latter-day Saint speakers like John By the Way, Mick Johnson, Hank Smith, me, and a ton more. Plus, there's podcasts, firesides, devotionals, come follow me resources, and entertaining content your whole family will enjoy, truly, all in one little app. And you can use promo code doing good, all one word at checkout, and you get a full month free. So check it out and sign up at ourturtlehouse.com. See you soon.